0: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano,
1: Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this super episode of Mind Pump. So for the first 30 minutes, we do our introductory fun time conversation. We start out by talking about 90s commercial and 90s style. It's back in style now, guys. Funny. My wardrobe makes sense now. Yeah. We talked about my daughter's workout and her post-workout smoothie box shake. She loves it. Now, smoothie box delivers uh, organic fruits and vegetables to your door, all packaged out with collagen protein, healthy fats, healthy carbs, healthy proteins. You blend it up. It's delicious. Uh, here's what you do. Go to Smoothie Box. S-M-O-O-T-H-I-E-B-O-X, S-M-O-O-T-H-I-E-B-O-X .com forward slash mindpump, and you will get $20 off your first three boxes. Then we talked about Skinny Dipped and their new flavor of chocolate-covered almonds, mint chocolate. Justin's about My to, favorite. He's about to get fat. Look, Skinny Dipped makes amazing snacks. These are almonds lightly covered in chocolate. Great macro profiles. If you go to SkinnyDipped.com forward slash mindpump and enter the code mindpump, you'll get 20% off. Then Justin talked about his questionable call at his kids' baseball game. Yeah. We talked about the 737 Max planes getting grounded and New York City public schools having meatless Mondays. And then I talked about how there's a lot of seafood fraud going on apparently. Then we get into the fitness part of this episode. The first fitness question was, what are our thoughts on the Turkish getup? This is an old school exercise, a lot of debate around it. Some people saying... It's worthless. And other people saying it's a very functional movement that everybody should do. You get to hear our opinion, which is the right opinion, in that part of the episode. The next question, uh, what are the benefits of doing isometric exercises? Like, why would you do isometric exercises? This is when you hold- Mm, Mainly for the look on your face. That's it. This This is when you hold a position and squeeze your muscles so you're not flexing, you're not relaxing, you're just tensing and holding a position. Are there benefits to doing this form of exercise? The next question: uh, Do we feel that social isolation is becoming a health problem or a health concern? Um, we talk a lot about tech in that part of this episode, and we talk a lot about how kids may be encountering some problems with socialization. Uh, and the final question: We all give our number one failure that has all that has taught all of us our greatest lessons. Also, this month, Maps Aesthetic. Our bodybuilding, physique competitor, bikini competitor-inspired program. This is the program, by the way, where you can take your body, look in the mirror, and choose where you want to sculpt and shape your body and put that in the program. We help design it that way for you. Very effective at building and shaping the body that you want in an aesthetic way. Girl, look at that body. It's 50% off, half off. So here's what you do. Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Use the code BLACK50, black Five zero for that discount. By the way, there are other maps programs on that site and bundles where we combine multiple maps programs. If you're super serious, check out the super bundle. It'll get you workouts for the next year. All those can be found at mapsfitnessproducts.com. It's super. What TV show was that song you always singing, Justin, earlier? Which one? uh What will we do, baby? What will we do, baby? Sha-la-la-la. Yeah, what is that? Um, Is that, that Family Ties? Family Ties, yeah. Family Ties. You got it. We're old. Michael J. Fox. We are old. Yeah. Remember that show? Do you guys ever watch that Family Ties? Uh, I, I vaguely remember. You Remind were growing pains. You like Growing Pains? Dude. I did like Growing Pains. Yeah. yeah. How well, was much his, his name? More Cameron? Cameron. Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. Cameron. That's Kurt. what it was. I had a crush on his uh, sister. Uh, what's her name? She did the Sprint commercials. Something Cameron. Her? No, she was something else. She's not even a try I don't know why I liked her. The brown, the dark brown. Oh no! You know, I'm thinking of who's the boss. Wait. Oh, Alyssa Milano. Yes, that's please. Who. Yes. Mm. Do you know who I had the biggest crush on though? That was on TV when I was a kid. Who? I don't even know what her name is. She was the girl. <laughs> Just the commercial girl. <laughs> the, um, du- the double mint girl. Yeah. No, no, it is a dark commercial. Hair I'll give you one more chance. Or blonde. I'll give you one more chance to, to find uh, to to pick out who the, it was the double mint- It was a commercial. Yeah. She did have dark hair. That's all the hints you're gonna get. The, yeah. Jesus, that's all I get. Trust me, because I once I say her once I it say was it was Winnie. From, uh,
2: uh, what what was
3: that? Wonder Years? Wonder Years. No, No, that's a commercial. No, commercial. commercial. Give him a commercial.
1: If I I say it, you guys are going to freak out because I guarantee you both loved her too. The product? You think it'll give it away that much? 100%. Wow. Is it 80s or 90s? She did that good? It was like 90s. It was like mid-90s. She did that good of a job? Every guy talked about her and nobody knew her name. Can we we get an idea? We referred to her as the, uh, girl. Wow, something, girl. Wow,
3: was really? it the one girl that no was in White Snake video? No, no dude, where are you going? Commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> think products right <laughs> now. Remember, is it a, like a, specific? Is it an alcohol
2: beverage? Is it a fast food restaurant? It's something, is,
1: for it's something for your Noxzema. skin. Something for your skin. Noxzema. Ooh, Whoa. close ah. the oil. Of it's the Neutrogena girl. Oh Neutrogena! No, I don't remember. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Hey, we random. just totally
2: jerked off to different things when we were kids. Totally no, different. we all yeah. jerked off to the same
1: thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doug, if you said, look that- up, the, just literally Google the Neutri- Neutrogena girl. I think the that's The Neutrogena girl. She'll remember if you see her face, I you're all gonna freak will. out. No, is that will. her? No, that's not it. It's not wow. Nikki Taylor. Am I saying <laughs> oh, the wrong Nikki thing? Taylor <laughs> you might be. Fantastic. Fantastic. Am I saying no, no? 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 The Neutrogena. Try that. Watch and and no N U T or oh, whatever. I don't know how to spell it. Just go ahead and spell it. Google will fix it for you. <laughs> it's a made up name. Uh that girl in the middle with the with the curly hair. Oh Noxima. Oh. You were right, Justin. Did you say Noxima? Yeah, I did say Noxima. The Noxima girl. Remember her? I, I do, I do kind of remember I her. See, I knew you jerked off to her. <laughs> 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 I don't I don't <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Everybody did. Everybody. <laughs> anyway, speaking of hey. the night speaking of the nineties, I went to the mall with uh Jessica the other day. We went to San uh, not Santana row but uh, what's across the street? Valley Fair. And we're walking around, and we walk inside some stores to go shopping. And um, I swear to God, bro, I, I felt like I walked into 1996. And some of these, so the younger stores were like the you know, like younger girls and they're like teens, twenties, whatever shop, bro. The, the the mannequins were dressed like uh, like uh, uh, Empire Records or like the crap it was like straight up bro the plaid skirts back that's coming back plaid skirts everywhere thank you the 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 shoes with the round toe the the chokers it was all 90s dude it's all back it wow. is. It's all back, yeah. So you can pull out your Jenko. No, actually, I don't know if those are back in style but No, I don't think no. so. Yeah. That's how you know when you've
2: gotten old officially
3: cuz you've, yeah. you've, you've seen
1: you've seen it. go out of style and come back in style. Yes. The flannels like
3: wrapped around the waist thing, you know, yep. like Bill and Ted and all that, like in this shredded kind of shirts. I've seen I've seen some holy stuff, like holy jeans and, you know, shirts are a little
2: rugged these days.
1: What what 90s style do you hope doesn't come back? Can <laughs> you guys think of one? I think it's all mostly came back.
2: Remember the uh, the slap wrist bracelets? Oh yeah, was that, that was, really in
1: though? Any, any yeah, point? it was
2: cool for a minute there. <laughs>
1: the fourth, <laughs> fifth grade. <laughs> yeah,
2: remember? You know what I saw? Uh, one of on oh, uh, Ben think. Greenfield had a guest. <laughs> I made a comment on his on his uh, Instagram, who had the chums. Remember chums? Oh
1: yeah. Oh, you put yeah. them on your oak, you know what I'm yeah. saying?
2: And then you wear them you always wear your necklace or you wear your a- glasses around your chest all the
1: time yeah. with your chums. I remember that. Yeah, remember those
2: flipped up visors
3: like like all the douchebags would would like spike their hair and then put like a visor backwards. Mm. Oh god, I
2: was that guy, dude. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> of course you were. Uh, of course. Did I had you? it this was during
1: did, uh, did you bleach your tips or what yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I shared oh, my, my frosty
2: tips, that was huge. It's fucking in, bro. Yeah. Easy there. God, you're the nerdy wow. guys. You weren't you weren't cool. <laughs> no, nobody uh, would do your Oh. Frosty tips, you know what I'm saying? You, need, <laughs> you needed some hot cheerleader girl to do your frosty tips, so fuck you. <laughs> wow. Wait,
1: did you really? Did you have a girl do it for you? Of course, of course, you had a girl do Who something did it for you. Uh, probably girl my you girlfriend
2: that. Yeah, probably the girl I was dating at that yeah. time. Yeah. That was popular though to do the, the the frost the top of the head like that. Uh-huh. So I and I had the visor that you would flip upside down and wear backwards and then mm. spike it like we were going out to play some beach volleyball or something. And you shit. hang out
1: with like three of your buddies wow. and you'd all dance the same and sing together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how Forget about that it. how about that
2: Mark Mastroff story that he told about his son going and learning how to dance before he goes to the dance oh, and being hella good. All yeah. on an app. Yeah, I thought that was like pretty Like mastered good. on, I was like, dude, that's
1: so awesome. I used to watch, you know where I would watch to get dance moves? Which, by the way, was terrible. Dude, that awkward.
3: reminds me of Napoleon Dynamite, though. Remember yeah. where he's like, he watches a video and then all of a sudden presents it out? I, be, I feel like that was what Mark yeah. Mastroff's son did.
1: Well, <laughs> you have so much great information now. Because when I was a kid, you know where we le- I, I would watch uh, In Living Color? Yeah. And Living Color, which some Girls. Yeah, they would have some good, some dance moves, and you'd have to pick out the guy ones or whatever that did. <laughs> but otherwise- was, They didn't really have any. Otherwise, what do we learn? I could just see some We're, just yeah. doing this. <laughs> <laughs> doing the boob shape. Yeah. Where did we learn how to dance back when we were kids? What was on TV? <sighs> Dude, MTV, Jackson. Jackson. A, MTV. Yeah, MTV videos. Yeah, yeah, you had a lot of MTV
2: videos. See, remember when MTV first came on the scene? It was all music videos. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's man, turned into kidding. trash TV now, yeah. and I think that it fell out of favor. Well, it fell out of favor for our generation. That probably started with it. I missed that that era. Like I, I still am surprised, especially with you know TV screens and cars and stuff that we haven't got to this uh, where now with your music you automatically get. The music video that would also play. It's funny. I could think of
3: like three or four like main artists that I totally was like trying. Of course, these are the ones with the best dance moves, like impossible ones. And I'm trying to like figure it out. Like Michael Jackson. I had like Bobby Brown. I had like MC Hammer. And then uh what was the other one? Uh I think it was James Brown. I was like trying to like
2: reconstruct like some of like some of their main movies that couldn't do any of them. Is there something going around right now with Bobby Brown? I've been sent like three different DMs. I told you my buddy sent me the Bobby Brown thing this morning. Is it is it like his birthday or some shit?
1: Is that the video you showed us where he's no, dancing? Yeah, he's <laughs> he had like the, a
2: cocaine that he just grabbed off. I don't remember gr- It was in nineteen eighty nine. Is that what it was? Nineteen eighty nine he's dancing at the MTV Awards. And he drops a bag of cocaine, and it's like a big <laughs> bag of cocaine, like on national television. Yes, and he just picks it. Up. I didn't even know that. I remember
1: watching that as a kid, but I don't remember that. Dude,
3: nobody covered that. Like nobody. Like that must have just been something that like surfaced recently. Bro, right? you didn't
1: have the internet, which back then where you could like take that clip and replay it a million times. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's so, so like, it's like well, you, it down. You watched it once. If you missed it, that was right, it.
2: right. No, and speaking of stuff like that, I just. Don't recall it being like this. I after Sal Sal introduced us to the the Waco uh, um, Waco Texas the yeah. uh, oh, do- documentary on Prime. Oh, that's great. oh, oh my that's and I went great home the next day and binged it with Katrina because it was so good. And the thing that I and I and I I disciplined myself not to go googling uh, all the answers and how it played out and just reading too deep into it because I was actually really interested in how the documentary unfolded from what I remembered it as. And what blew me away was I totally got the story wrong or what I should say the the FBI uh, wanted to give the news media at that time. Uh, it w- I was way off. And so, man, that was a really fascinating documentary for me to watch because I remember it very vividly when it went on, but I also remember Watching it went it on, and the information that the the news was giving you was what they wanted to feed you back then. Versus all the behind the thing, behind the scenes stories that you don't
1: find out till you watch the documentary. Well, think about where the news would get their information from. They would interview the FBI agents. Hey, right. what's going on? Right. But that's one of the biggest black eyes on the you know the, on the FBI that oh, ever. Man, it's like one of the worst things ever happened. We had so many people terrible. die doing that. So anyway, crazy crazy story. So I told you guys my daughter started um, running for like it's called oh, yeah, Girls it on the a marathon, Run. right? It's like a 5K. Okay. So she's nine, right? So she's doing this Girls on the Run thing, and she's now done it like three times. And yesterday we're sitting there, and uh, she's watching TV, and she gets up and she's like, "Ah!" I'm like, "What's the matter, honey?" She's like, "My leg, my legs hurt so bad. Something's wrong with them. I'm like they're sore." <laughs> 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 and I was laughing so hard. I'm like. Your legs are sore. So she's like, what? what do you mean? And I'm like, well, you, you, you don't run ever that yeah. long. It's your first time ever doing it. So I'm taking her through stretches and stuff. And How man, crazy
2: is that, the first yeah. time you make that connection, right?
1: You, yeah, well, you're when you're like, a kid and like, you get real sore. Well,
2: do you, do you, I, mean, I know you guys remember this. You remember training clients that were so unathletic that they had never felt that in their life before? Oh, and yeah. they think yeah. something they never, happened? Like, yeah, oh, some, yeah, they never played sports or anything and they think you injured them or some yep. shit. They come to you and they're like, uh... I could barely get out of my chair yesterday. Yeah, like, right. I think you hurt something. <laughs> you yeah, know, like you
1: their just- neck, just
2: from doing crunches.
1: <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God, I can't even move my neck. Yeah. I rem- oh. I remember once, oh. uh, one of my very first workouts when I was 13 or 14, <clears throat> my legs got so sore, I stayed home from school. I remember I woke up in bed. <laughs> no joke. I woke up and I was in bed and I could barely move my legs and so I was calling out to my mom. She comes in and I'm like, I can't move my legs. She's like, what, what's wrong? She freaked out of course and I could barely walk, so I stayed home from school that day. Ridiculous. <laughs> but so what I did, what I do with my daughter is because you know I'm taking my son through workout. So I told her, "I so said, what'll help is if you work out a little bit with me." Oh, that was a video brother. you sent. Yes, I was
2: just talking shit about kids. Yeah, is that funny? Sal so, so, so was sharing how much he was paying for fucking private school. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's like two of my car payments. Yeah, no. Fucking yeah. Jesus, yeah. dude.
1: But anyway, I had my, I had my, my. We, we'd have a treadmill in the garage now, so she was walking on that. I was lifting weights with my son, then I was doing some exercises with my daughter. And then I was talking to her about, you know, proper nutrition after you work out, you know, can help you recover or whatever. So I gave them the smoothie box, a smoothie, because it's really good. And you know what it reminded me of? So I got this, uh, someone sent me a study in my, uh, uh, in my DM, and it was a study done on egg consumption and protein synthesis. So protein synthesis, and the, the, uh, trust me, this all ties together. Protein synthesis measures kind of the muscle building process, and you see it spike post-workout, and certain types of foods that you eat post-workout will cause it to spike more or less. And Now, we've always been told, post-workout, you want to have just protein and maybe carbs. You definitely don't want to have fat because it it prevents the absorption or the assimilation of, of, of proteins and carbohydrates, and this is what we all believed, and this is a great example of how the fitness industry has really gotten something wrong, and now we believe it to be true, but it's not. So the studies come out showing that whole egg protein is far more uh, anabolic, and I'm putting in quotations, than egg white protein post-workout. You get way more protein synthesis if you eat a whole egg. And, of course, the whole egg includes a lot of the fats and then, of course, the cholesterol. Cholesterol. Right, and so the smoothie box drinks were were perfect because it's got carbs, proteins, and it's got the healthy fats. It's got the collagen protein. And it makes sense to me. Like, If the body's going to respond to food post-workout, and I know it's a small effect and we shit on it in the past, but if you're a high-level athlete, this could make this might make a little bit of a difference, especially if you're going to work out more than once during the day. My opinion, the body evolved eating proteins, usually with fats. I, I can't think of a natural source of protein that doesn't include some form of fat. And most hunter-gatherer societies, when they do, do get a source of protein, like an animal— They go for the fat. They eat the fat first because it's so energy dense, and you know, and it's got lots of nutrients in it. Oftentimes, especially the organs. So the Smoothie Box smoothies are just the balanced, you know, balanced. They got the fats. They have the proteins. They have the carbs. It's all healthy. Well, speaking of kids, like what's
3: their preference out of the three?
1: Uh, My daughter likes the the cacao one. Yeah, yeah, the cacao one is. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, her favorite. And I'll add a little. I'll add a little bit of honey to it to to make it a little sweeter sometimes and. It's good. It's got vegetables in it, which is you, you, yeah. They wouldn't know. There's a high amount of vegetables. They, they would have really... no idea. You
2: know? Speaking of fast, you guys see the the newest Skinny Dip that's coming out? Mm.
1: Well, no. Yes. What do
2: you mean? No. The mint dark chocolate. Mint. I'm excited about
3: this. Oh, you mint guys are... is my favorite flavor. Oh, great. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I really need it, but yeah, it's it. Oh, dude, I love mint. That mint chocolate, like a dark chocolate, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, were, it's a great combo. Were, like
1: were you a mint chocolate chip ice cream guy? Yeah. Oh, it was
3: either that, and then I, I don't know, somewhere down the line, it was between that, and I got competitive between that and, like, chocolate and, and peanut butter. Well, so.
2: what I've loved about the skinny dip, kind of and, I, and I think this comes a little bit from Doug, like, Doug is the dark chocolate guy. He's always been the dark chocolate guy, and I've never really been a dark chocolate eater, and as I've gotten, after competing, I really started to curb a lot of my crazy sweet addiction that I had. And if I just have a piece of that every once in a while, it really satisfies that craving. And I feel the same way about the skinny dipped almonds. I feel like it's a light treat where I get this chocolate flavor. I know I'm, I know obviously it's it's got some extra calories in there that my 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 diet doesn't necessarily need. But if I'm having that sweet tooth craving, it's the per- perfect thing for me to curb that without indulging. And that's why I also like the the single packs. Like I won't buy the, I made the mistake the first time and ordered like the big bags. Yeah, that's the move. And that the singles. for sure, because what I'll do is I'll go watch it. We'll be mindlessly eating because I'll be watching, you know, the fucking TV and I'll grab that bag and then I'll just keep going to town. The next thing you know, I've drilled half of that thing or all of it. Where if I do the individual packs, I just go and get it out of the freezer, and it's
1: just enough chocolate. It's yeah. not you guys ever eat like that's the, what I mean. It's you just, ever eat like the cheapo chocolate almonds? They're like chocolate. It's all chocolate, a little bit
2: of
3: almond.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like where's the almond? You're basically eating chocolate balls over here, which is fine if that's what you want to do. Dude,
3: so I've already planned out, uh, you know, bringing those for our snacks, you know, uh, that we're bringing to the games for the kids. Like between that and like some fruit. Uh, you know, like I've already had that planned out, so they're gonna love that. Oh, that's great! Yeah, how is your coaching going on over there? Crazy, like it's. I, I, I'm actually really digging it now that like we've laid down kind of a, a good foundation with the kids, like had you know a lot of the skills that we've been drilling on them. And uh, this was their first game, was was last night. And uh, how'd it, they do? Did they win? They won, yeah, oh, they they won, and, and it was like. It was a really close game, and so it, it's funny because there's no, like, umpires, and so there's no, like, field umpires, there's no, like, umpire behind the plate, uh, and we're using a pitching machine now, but we'll eventually, the coach will throw it, and then the, the kids will throw it, so it's like this evolution mm. where they'll learn, to like, how to steal bases and do all that kind of stuff, so I'm third base coach. I'm just like sending everybody in, you know, like like totally overzealous, like trying to rack up our points, and like no, you can't, you can't send them in when they're when they have it like in the infield and like the the play's dead, or whatever. And I was like, it wasn't dead yet, you know. So anyway, I was already like, you know, not not doing well on the side of of right. I was right behind me. Obviously, was the other team. So uh, the game kind of kept progressing, and I didn't even know what the score was because we just I was used to like with kids, like initially, like you. Somebody's keeping track, but it's like, nobody really gives a shit. But now they give a shit. Like, everybody's, like, really into this. And they're like, I guess the, the, it was, like, six to five. And the bases were uh, loaded. And one of them scored, you know, from from third. And coming running towards me was my son, right? Oh, no. So he's running. I didn't know it was him. He's running towards me. They throw the ball. The third baseman catches it and then tags him. Well, in my eyes, he tags him, right? Everybody else on our sidelines like was like, Safe, safe, you know, and like the coaches are looking at me because, like, I'm closest, so I have to make the call. I and mean, it's your son. <laughs> and it's my son. And, and I was just, like, looking down, and I'm looking back, and then I'm listening to – and I asked – I actually waited a minute, and I, like, asked the third – I'm like, you tag him? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I tagged him. And then, like, like Ethan's like, you didn't tag me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. And then I was just like,
2: you're out. You
3: know? <laughs> <laughs> and like, that was
2: mad at you later
3: on? Or yeah, what? dude, I got nothing but shit from that forever. <laughs> and my mom was in the stands. She's like, how
1: could you? <laughs> Actually, I was like, oh no! Actually, you did the right thing. Yeah, because it's it's It'd be worse, worse the other way. It's dude. better to be harder on your on your. On I always player. am. See, yeah.
3: that's the that's the thing. I need to hear that yeah. though, because like <laughs> even court, like everybody's like, dude, like, but it's your kid, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but that's why he's out.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you, you got to work for it. That's bro. right. He
2: should ran faster. Yeah. So it wasn't even yeah, close. Next
1: time, if it's yeah, if it's not close, then you're fine. It's also gonna <laughs> set up a great conversation, I'm sure, on the way home, where you could talk to him about it and all that.
3: Totally. It, but he had a great. He had a couple great plays, so I was just like, you know, like it's 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 nice because like I've been putting so much work you know with him like all, as far as like the outside like we're working on his mechanics and like throwing and like I I am just now starting to see like progress oh that's so I'm, great. So, I'm so happy and like like you know stoked for him now that's does
2: it, does does Everett play with him do they go back and forth at home and play catch and stuff or no
3: kind of not yet like mainly the the hitting stuff like I caught him like outside like back going back and forth and, and like Ethan was setting up the tee for for Everett and it was like going back and forth so that was really cool to see See, ever as a game tonight. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited. That's, but
1: it, you know what that reminds me of? It's like when I used to have uh, big staffs, there would always be like one or two superstars. Like, yeah, you'd have some good performers, but there's that one person that really led the team and was really good. And you would get close to them, and I would always make sure to be extra hard on them in front of everybody so mm. that they don't get that impression like, oh, he's Sal's favorite or she's Sal, whatever. So I had to show everybody, like, no, like, he yeah. actually gets it harder than everybody else. Well, it's you know? funny,
3: though, because the head coach, like, he's a friend of mine. Is just like, dude, but, it, like, you know, we're down right now. <laughs> you know, we could have used that because, that, like, we had to take away that score, you know, that tied it up. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh no, I hope we win, dude. This isn't my fault." You know, <laughs> so Catr- you So the next one, like, we got like a bunch of runs, so I was fine.
2: Katrina was at her nephew's game this Saturday. They played a basketball game, and it was like his first game that she'd seen him. Now, in in her family, all the girls are like the badass athletes. The guys are athletes too, but the girls are all, all the ones that went to college playing basketball and shit like that. Oh, and they're young; they're great. Yeah, and so and here's her. This is her brother's son is now playing basketball. And I asked her when I came home I said hey how, how, did, how did Nathaniel do did he kill it or what she's like ah, he did all right you know she being all like it's like totally political right I'm just like what do you, what do you mean all right like you're the you're the basketball person of the family like tell me tell me what did you see you know like mm-hmm. is he gonna be gifted at this or what and she's like well I, I think Larry needs to work with him more <laughs> what, do you mean, what do you mean she's like well she goes I just didn't realize that it would be someone in our family she like he was running around with without his hands up. I mean, what do you mean running around with his hands up? She's like, yeah, he was playing defense with his hands down. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm talking yeah. to her and we're both going like, that's just like a natural thing that you had. You just know to put your hands up. And she's like, he, so he's doing a lot of things. She said that, you know, you would just think being in the family that we all played basketball forever, that he would just naturally have, but he hasn't been trained yep. the fundamentals. That's oh it. man, I've
3: been going through that. I process, bet that's why I'm. Like that's crazy. why I'm sharing this because yeah. I know
2: what you're going through. I get it now kind of listening to her share like, uh, her frustration of watching uh, it and she was kinda like getting onto her brother like, dude, you gotta fucking teach him like he, he the basic fundamental every funda- step of the process. Like but like even yeah. boxing out. like the ball goes up and he, teaching him how to box out. Okay, he finally she she finally gets him to teach him how to box out. Well he boxes out but then the ball falls right in front of him he doesn't grab it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like it's every step of the way you have to teach these very basic fundamentals. And some kids naturally get it because she was like her and I were trying to speculate right. on like You know, why do you think he doesn't have it? And maybe you did and I did and things like that. I said, well, you know, Nathaniel is really heavily into like Gaming, video gaming, and YouTubing. Even though he plays all the sports and he's and he's talented, he's athletic. He's not really into watching it. and I said, you know, you don't realize how much you learn by watching. Yes, that. how much yeah, education you get by watching NBA when you're when I was in when I was in fourth third and fourth grade, I was already watching the NBA. Yeah, try mm-hmm.
1: getting on YouTube with that kid and watch what he does, and you know, try getting going online and yeah, watch. Try
2: understanding. Yeah, and yeah, oh, said he's doing. watch he's watching the video game stuff, which is what he's uh, he's drawn to right now for his entertainment. I said, see, back when we were kids, we didn't have a lot of those things. You know, big things were sports, watching sports, yep. and so you watched a lot. Of it. So you emulated your favorite players, you know. So now talk about a challenge for fathers now that would assume that, like you and I, probably. Yeah, like,
1: like you go play baseball with your buddies all the time. Now I'm going to teach you some other things about it. It's like he hasn't even learned the basics. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, it's. It, it, I had a conversation with my, with my ex-wife the other day because she's like, it's like, oh, I went through, you know, our son's phone and you know, I just I, I go through it every once in a while and there'sn't doesn't seem to be anything on there that's bad. And I start cracking up. Like, you really think we're gonna find shit on his phone? That kid knows more about tech and how to hide stuff and how to do stuff than probably your the tech experts that work at your company. Because these kids grow up with that stuff. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That's what they know. The stuff that we grew up knowing, like how to like you know, like jump with your bike on a ramp. They don't know how to do that shit because yeah. nobody does well, that. Well, it had
2: to dial a phone. No. <laughs> that's true. It totally reminded me of when Justin first shared, um, you know, when he was first teaching him how to catch the ball, just like how you would think something as obvious as- Yeah, you think it's intuitive. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, no, you do. So that's what she, she was sharing that with me. A lot of things that we would just think is intuitive mm. to playing ball- that he just neglects to do, and he said, you know, he's you could see he's in, he's plays other sports, so he's an athletic kid, so he has the
1: potential to be good, right? But he's like clueless to the fundamentals, and it's like, uh, what? A- no, there's there's natural aptitude, but then there's also learned. You have to learn on top of it. So there there are you know kids who are more have better mechanics naturally, um, but you got to learn, and if you don't learn, then it doesn't. You're not going to be. You're not going to know anything. Like you're not going to. Like here's the thing. I remember as a kid going to Italy when I was 11 or 12 and um, one of my buddies bought like a rubber ball and we were throwing it and I'm an 11 year old 12 year old but I'm from America and in America most of the popular sports are done with your hands in Italy they play soccer so we're throwing the ball these kids I remember watching them throw and I'm laughing at like these guys can't even throw but you give them the ball to kick and you watch these kids dribble with with their feet and kick the ball and it's because the skills were just practiced differently over there they knew how to handle with their feet, you know. Whereas over here, everything's done with their with their hands. Anyway, did you guys see what's uh, what Trump just did? Like literally hours ago. You, I saw you you
2: message us in our thread about the the 737. Oh, he's, I mean, he I
1: just don't. he just grounded all the Boeing 737s. Why? So there were two crashes that happened. I don't remember where the first one happened, but I know the second one happened in Ethiopia, and they were 737s, basically brand new. These are Boeing planes. And the basically took off minutes later, nosedive, crashed, and both crashes were very similar. And so you had all these uh, these airline regulators throughout the world, Canada, the UK, uh, China, grounding them because of some of the news reports, and they're saying there may be something wrong with this actual with this plane. Well, the U.S. is the only country that didn't ground them. But it looks like they just got new information, and they're now now they're just they've just grounded them all. Well, that's interesting. That's crazy.
3: Like statistically, like like planes that crash. I mean, that's a very low percentage, right?
1: Extremely rare. But could you imagine if they found something actually wrong with the the plane itself? Yeah.
3: No. Well, that's why that's that makes sense. That's alarming. That if you know they've already had like that specific model has done that, and like. You know, just gone up and straight back down. Yeah. That's pretty I feel like they're being,
1: they're being very um, conservative just to be safe. Yeah. But, uh, boy, Boeing, Boeing is going to lose so much money. I mean, all you if you own a, uh, airplanes and you're an airliner or- you Are you following planes, the stock right now? I'm not. I'm not following it at all. I haven't seen what. I, I'm pretty sure it's plummeting. I, I don't see why it wouldn't. So, how, okay. So, how many total did, did they put a number out
3: there of the Boeing planes? That they've grounded? Yeah.
1: Um, I don't, there's quite a few, like, like Southwest has a lot of these planes.
3: Yeah. I was like, like, is this like, uh, like everybody's flights
1: are fucked? A lot of right people's now? flights are probably screwed. Dang. But, is that I mean, many? yeah, there's a lot of them, oh. but I mean, this is crazy because uh, uh, first of all, when you have a company, when you have a business like, like airplanes, like that's a major fear people have, right? But planes are very safe. All you need is a little bit of a rumor or whatever. And you're screwed. Look at that nine. What was that? Nine in Detroit alone. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's that, that is. That's gnarly. I thought it
3: was like some new development, like terrorist related thing or
1: something. No, it was just literally I, they're getting more information, but it's like the plane literally just like they couldn't they couldn't control it. Yeah. They have recordings from the from the pilots and they were struggling to just control like something just happened and it just huh. it just went down. So it's crazy. It's a, it's the seven thirty seven eight and the seven thirty seven nine. Planes. That is going to hurt their business. Yeah, I think Big it's... Plan. How many planes does it say in that article, Doug? Like 302 or something like that? I mean, it's going It's going to cause some problems. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's going to cause some travel problems. I don't know. I don't know exactly how many, but nonetheless pretty crazy it looks like
2: it, it messed up thirty three hundred two 302 flights yeah. we might get we might have some cheap tickets coming up though sweet yeah, <laughs> yeah. or great times to buy on in some companies I yeah mean, all yeah. these companies are going to take a probably a big hit and then the the rebound of some of these companies like southwest and boeing and stuff like that on the way because those are Boeing's a great stock oh, period yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's I mean, crazy it's, a, it's a, a company that's been around forever
3: it says
1: 385 uh flights or planes Uh planes i believe that's that's quite a bit. Three hundred and forty four, the Max Eight variant, the ones that have that that crashed. Wow. It's pretty crazy. Also more news. Did you guys see New York City public schools are doing uh um, oh, the vegan day. Meatless Monday. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I saw that. What a what a dumb political you know, it's all posturing, virtue signaling. Oh, we're so you know, they're still eating meat Tuesday through through Friday, but we Mondays. We don't eat meat, and yeah. supposedly that's healthy. Except you know things like potato chips, French fries, and you know bread and. I, know and I was going to say,
2: where's your like carb-free day? Uh, and it's still dumb. It's so dumb. Why wouldn't they do that then? That's yeah. how I feel. I feel like I'm not opposed to it, but then throw in the other days, and I yeah. think it'd be. Why do you think? <laughs> Why-,
1: <laughs> Why do you think New York City consider first of all consider the politics of New York? Right. Why do you think the public schools would have a meatless Monday? It's 100% virtue signaling, hey, look at us, we're so, you know, uh, we care so much, it's better for the environment, it's better for animals, so we're going to give all the kids no meat on Mondays. I, w- I would love to see the food that they're actually going to serve them on Mondays right. I- I instead. It had a
2: picture of it. I saw the article didn't have a picture of it. Doug, maybe you can see what we what they what it's their- probably going to be
1: like a soy sandwich or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Boys going through, you know, <laughs> developing breasts at the age of 8, you know, because of all the soy that they're eating. Yeah. Yeah, crap. What well, one more article that I'll share with you guys. Uh, I had no idea. This is Jackie shared this that apparently there's a lot of um Seafood fraud in the United States. I didn't even know this existed. Have Make you guys heard of this? Fake, fake seafood? Well, like food that comes in that says it's a regional favorite, but in reality, it's, lo- it's not locally sourced. It's from far away. Or seafood dis- you know, so that says sea bass that's actually a different fish, a lower value species. Oh, wow. So literally a Like complete- tilapia? Well, what? dude, <laughs> there was a report that came out that showed that one in every five fish that they tested was mislabeled. Whoa. One out of every five. One out of every five. That's huge. Yeah. One out of every three establishments visited sold mislabeled seafood. How crazy is that? that so is- you could be, oh, this is sea bass, but they're giving you like, you know, tilapia or some shit.
2: Now, I would think where we're at, that's less common. <laughs> being by the bay, being access to north. I would think that, I saw their, their, they had a map and they showed the regions that it was most popular. I would think it would be more central, right?
1: Um, One of them was in California. But Southern California, yeah, near Mexico, yeah, um, like look like L.A. San Diego area, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of infuriating. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, you, that you're going to buy something, you think you get one thing, you're getting something else. That's that's pretty and, annoying.
3: Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it it's not uh, completely similar, but I remember like Taco Bell. They got all under fire for like the horse meat thing, right? Was that uh, confirmed? No, or No, I don't think they had horse Was meat that? today.
1: No, I I believe there was like some like urban, I I brought up the
2: horse meat thing in the book that I was currently reading right now with the mob rules. That's what it was. And And I, Taco
1: Bell. Yeah. Are you sure? dude? I'm pretty sure they're under
3: fire for some meat. Don't get us sued. Yeah. Retract.
1: (laughs) Retract. No, just look it it up. No, what happened with Taco Bell was that their meat wasn't all meat. It yeah. wasn't 100% well, me. What was the other part? I think they Oh shit, look at that. Maybe you're right. That's 2000, 2013. Thank you. Food safety officials say they have found traces of horse meat and ground beef mm. sold by fast Take food that restaurant Taco Bell. Taco Bell in Britain. Oh okay, it was a oh, place in Britain. It, over there. That's all yeah, right. At least so it didn't affect us. Yeah, <laughs> the mobs
3: <laughs>
2: Hey, the mobs still over there. <laughs>
3: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Fuck man.
0: Uh, angle yeah. uh, has landed. Brought to you by Maps Anabolic. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, Maps Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpromedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking the Eagle has landed. qua. Alright, our first question is from Keisha Brittany. What are your thoughts on Turkish get-ups? Turkish get-up. Who was it that was talking I like shit him. about Turkish Jordan shit? Shallow, Doctor Shallow, our boy? What, is, yeah. what doesn't he talk shit about? He's
2: yeah. <laughs> okay. He's in. He's in. He's in the strength camp. You know, what I'm saying. I think that. Uh for the most part, I like. I mean, he did a post the other day. Did you see the post he did? He did a post where he was.
1: He said weak people don't get hurt. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah,
2: yeah. So he made he made a strong stance on that, and so I got a lot of DMs actually from from that. People asking me, "What do you think about this? What do you think about?" I said, "I I know where Jordan's coming from and why he's saying this. I think that there. I think for the most part, uh, most humans don't strength train enough in general. Uh, I I know that there's this. You know, movement, functional movement, culture that's happening right now, and you're getting a lot of gurus in that space. Uh, and I, I think he represents the antagonist to that. Yeah, uh, he, he
3: checks them well
2: yeah, him well. Yeah, and and I love it. So I yeah. love I love where he's coming from. Uh, that, that that same that same token, he can find himself in that. You know, be the strongest gorilla in the jungle mentality, also. Uh, that I think that there's and what I wrote underneath this post is exactly how I yeah. feel. I was like, you know, the truth is that there's he hasn't mi- felt old man pains yet, so, <laughs> right? Well, know, the truth is there's many truths, and there's
1: yeah. also he, he he works a lot with athletes. He yeah. works with people who perform at a high level. You know, I I've trained very few high level athletes. Most of the people I've trained were just your everyday people, and. Let me tell you, correctional exercise, if done properly, and of course, strength is always the goal. That's important to understand. This is the thing Jordan, you know, understands very well and explains very well. You do strength is the ultimate goal. You have to, but correctional exercise, many times, is the way you can get to strength, especially when you're talking about well, uh, a, you know, a, a, an average person. Exactly, that's where it's right. it,
2: that's where it matters the most, in my opinion. And when you're and he's right, like when you're talking about athletes. Uh I mean I remember when Brink first uh, brought that to our attention when we mm-hmm. first met Brink he's and when he said you know what do you do when you have a you know a pro fighter or you know pro wrestler guy or pro anything and and he's got all these imbalances and he's fucked up like he's like oh you you can't try and fix that on him because he's already become so great at compensating for that that if you were to try and fix the imbalance you would fuck up his mechanics mm-hmm. that he's built for the last 15 20 years of becoming right. a pro so I, I totally understand where he's getting from. Now, the whole reason why we brought up Jordan was because he shit on the Turkish get-ups. And again, for an athlete that has very specific goals, I don't see as much carryover for that. But for the average person, man, I I got somebody stopping by to see me today. She drops in every once in a while to say hi and kind of check on her movement and look over her food. And she's been a long time client friend of mine. Uh, one of my favorite things that I make her do is I, I tell her, I say, listen, if you're not going to do anything else, you know, get in there and do ten Turkish get-ups on each side with your little kettlebell thing that I've got you. And I, it's if you perform it right and correct, it's such a great full-body movement that it, I mean, it's got rotational stuff in there. You hit all the planes when you're in there. Uh, it requires good shoulder mobility. It requires good hip mobility. It's it's a, it's a it's a one catch-all exercise mm-hmm. to promote all those things. And you can load it. So it can be somewhat of a stranger. Now, is it? Can you ever compare a hundred-pound Turkish get up to a guy like Jordan squatting six hundred pounds? Like no, fuck no. Like it's not even in the same universe. But for the average average day person who you're trying to promote good uh, good movement, oh man, yeah, it's, it's a I- different discipline. This is like a coordinated,
3: uh, structured array of movements that we're trying to string together so it's it's very much more highlighted as a skill so this is like these are these are a sequence of movements that I'm trying to string together now can I do that and think of that in terms of like my sport can I think of that in terms of like well how am I going to move this object from down here all the way upstairs and be able to hold this while I'm you know there's a lot of like multitasking kind of variables thrown at you on a daily basis and I think that this is one of those where it's just like okay let's slow everything down let's work on the intention of movement and and being uh really in tune with my body and having like ultimate command over my body
1: mm. there there are there's some recent studies that connect your ability to get up off the ground without having to use your hands um to your your chances of all cause mortality right um, and that's a skill. That's a skill that we that we lose as we get older because we sit on chairs. It's a fundamental skill, being able to get up off the ground. In a Turkish getup, that's literally what you're doing. There's a technique to it, but you are getting up off the ground. The other thing, too, is that because of the extended position of the Turkish getup, you have to learn how to brace um, your entire body and build stability in your entire body from your hand yep. all the way down your shoulder to your back, to your hips, to your knees, your ankles, everything, and be very, very tight. And I'll put this challenge out there to anybody. You get your client or you yourself get good, and I mean good. I don't mean good at you, do, you could do a million of them. I mean with good form, good form, good control, good stability. Get really, really good at doing Turkish get-ups. You're probably going to have decent mobility, and, and you're probably going to be relatively pain-free throughout your entire body. It's not a specific exercise, like it's not going to develop any one particular part of your body. It's not this great hypertrophy exercise, but it is one of those exercises that leads you to getting better results from other exercises. Okay, so when you look at movements, when you look at exercises, some exercises are very effective at building muscle and building strength. Other exercises are very effective at getting you to the point where you can build lots of muscle and lots of strength. And the Turkish getup is kind of one of those. Like, if you do really, really good Turkish getups, you probably have good shoulder mobility and stability to be able to do heavy overhead presses. You could probably do at least a lunge, if not a squat. Um, you probably have good core stability, some decent rotation. You're in generally in good health over your whole body. Now, that being said, there are athletes that I believe get get direct uh, benefit from doing Turkish getups, in particular. If you're a grappler or you train in mixed martial arts, mm-hmm. your ability to get up off the ground with weight on your body—and um, there's a lot of technique to this, by the way—so just doing Turkish get-ups is not going to make you good at it because there's a lot of technique involved. So you have to practice that, but that will help you strengthen some of the movements that you need to, to get up. And that's where this exercise got popular. You know, yeah. Turkish get-ups came from the Turkish wrestling tradition, um, and the you know Turkish wrestling tradition. Those guys have been working out for a long time. Um, your mace bells and and your 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 clubs and stuff they would use those extra those those devices to build strength and they had this long tradition of these wrestlers who were incredibly strong and one guy i think his name was the great gama i think his name was was undefeated for years and turkish getups was part of their training yeah, regime
3: i think that's that's one of those where you could see like okay this could directly sort of translate into those types of movements and you could see how that would like apply specifically I think for you know just somebody that's just powerlifting all the time or doing something that's only in the sagittal plane like it's massively beneficial for them just to maintain and keep these communication pathways accessible and like have your joints go through ranges of motion that you're not hitting frequently enough and so what are we doing we're you know we're we're setting ourselves up for repetitive pattern injuries as a result of like, like stressing the same uh, type of movement, like consistently, let's do something different to make sure that everything's
2: oiled and, and working properly. And this is one of those
3: types of exercises. I also
2: think though, it's important. So it reminds me kind of like me practicing um, the overhead squat right now, Uh, an exercise that I probably would not promote in the past, but now I see this this major benefit in it because of the work that I've done to get the proper mobility to perform the movement really well. So now that I have the mechanics to actually and the mobility to perform an overhead squat with good form and good technique, now I think it's a, a staple exercise that I want to keep in my routine forever because I know that it promotes me keeping that stability and that strength and that good mobility that I work so hard to get. I think of the Turkish get up very similar because. If you see someone doing a Turkish getup, up and I have a client who has terrible mechanics and can't do it or has a lot of mobility issues, and all I have them do is these Turkish get ups that look really sloppy, then i then I then I see very little uh, benefits to the movement. But if you do treat it like Justin said earlier, as a skill or Sal said, as a as a skill, and you keep practicing that skill, and you get really good at the movement. And you don't—you're not thinking about oh, I'm, I'm getting more weight up or I'm doing more reps. You're trying to break each part down because in the Turkish getup, there's what—it's like six parts or eight parts. It's like it's broken up in like six or eight parts to complete one full rep. And mm-hmm. if you have—if you have actually broken up all six parts or eight parts, whatever it is—and focused on uh, making sure that you're doing each one of those perfectly. I think it's a great exercise to always incorporate into your routine to promote that overall good mobility and all these different joints that are having to work in order to get completely up off the ground.
1: Yeah, this would be an exercise that I would do at the beginning of a workout as part of my priming, getting my whole body ready, or something I would do in the morning uh, when I wake up as part of my just daily activity to wake everything up. It's not an isolation movement. It's not a, again, very. it's not like I'm, Oh, it's leg day. I do Turkish get-ups. You, yeah. You, you use everything right. with a Turkish get-up. I
2: use, I, I've actually recently taught this to also, like, Taylor, right? I love this move for someone like like him who's not into lifting. Like, he just is, doesn't care to be buff. He doesn't want to really change his physique. But he does realize he's getting in his 30s now and that he's going to have to be, stay mobile. And what I've explained to him is, like, you know, you don't need to, if you're not trying to progress your physique, you don't have to be so – crazy structured about your programming and follow everything that we're telling everyone to do all the time because you don't care about that. But there are like, so you can look at your workout differently and pick an exercise or a movement that has lots of benefit and carryover and practice it for the entire hour. So, and he does, I do this also, and I actually promote this with some of my clients that have the same attitude towards working out. Not everybody, you know, there's probably a small percentage of this audience that listens, but there is a percentage that doesn't like to work out. And it's, they don't like to do tons of different exercises, but if they, they do like working on skills or, or practicing something and watching themselves progress and get better, these people, I feel, do really well with an exercise like this. I teach it, and then my job is, hey, the next time I see you, I want to see improvement. I want to see mm-hmm. improvement on the skill, and then their whole workout sometimes is just a Turkish get getup. I think there's nothing wrong with doing that, and I have clients, and I have people like Taylor's. But I've actually introduced a movement like this and taught them to do it. Just like I have with the the squad or or a big or a deadlift or a big movement like that, I think Turkish Get Up okay. is right up there in one of the best full body overall yeah. movements. And
1: plus if you are if you are a, a high level athlete, like a power or a weightlifter or a football player or whatever, the number one obstacle that can prevent you from making any gains or improvements whatsoever, bar none, hands down is an injury. Hands down. And one of the ways that you can prevent injury is by doing different movements, doing different things, training your body in different ways. So if you're a power lifter, it's probably a good idea to try doing light Turkish get-ups every once in a while to, to, to might prevent you from hurting yourself just because you're moving your body differently, doing some yoga or stretching or whatever. So sometimes athletes will look at things and say, that doesn't have any application to me. But you know, many times it's just the fact that you're moving differently and it's going to help prevent injury because I know lots of strength athletes and when you ask them, "Hey, what's the one thing that kept you from hitting your goals more than anything else?" they'll tell you, "Injured. I got injured and then that was it. I couldn't I couldn't work out hard anymore or whatever for 5 months or whatever." Next question is from Keenan 869.
0: What are the benefits of doing isometric exercises such as the ones in Maps Performance?
1: Isometric exercises. So, I'm going to give a little quick synopsis of how the muscles contract, and then we can talk about isometric uh, mm-hmm. movements. So muscle contractions are broken down into, into three categories. There's the concentric con- contraction. This would be me flexing my bicep, so me curling my arm. There's eccentric, which would be me lowering a weight. Because remember, that's a muscle contraction. wall. if I'm lowering a weight with control, my muscles contracting the, the whole time. Right, those would just fall. And then there's isometric, where it's just holding in place. And all three of them have their place, and all three of them have different levels of damage they can cause and muscle growth that they can stimulate and, and all that stuff. Now, it's it's pretty widely known that the eccentric, the lowering of weight, causes the most, whatever, damage, but also sends the loudest muscle signal. But the problem with, with eccentric loading is that it just causes so much damage, you can't do it that much. The next one down the line would be the concentric, the positive portion of the rep that will give you lots of power and performance, give you less damage which means you could do more of it. This is why I, you know, you get Olympic lifters who can lift all day long. They drop the weight. They don't, they don't lower the weight like a bodybuilder will, so they don't get as much muscle size per se, but they can train a lot. They can train very, with high volume, high frequency, um, and they do build a lot of strength. Isometrics are great because they cause, the, I would consider, the least amount of damage. This is something that you can use to ramp up the volume in a relatively Mm. safe way.
3: Yeah, they're not going to be as damaging uh, to the joint because, I mean, it's very specific to... uh, Really, what it's doing, it's it's emphasizing the recruitment process of like, okay, I, I need to... Tap into this ability to generate force and so how do we do this is that that's one where you could really zero in on uh the whole process it takes for you to be able to generate uh the appropriate amount of force for you to then overcome uh you know load and and, and go through the full range of motion so a lot of times i'll use this as as a great tool to um, you know, uh, up the capacity for you to be able to really ramp up uh, the amount of force production you can promote at any given time.
1: Yeah, I, I also like isolation. Uh, excuse me, um, uh, isometric movements to focus on sticking points. That's one of my favorite ways yeah. actually to use it. So, all you know, if you work out and you're listening right now, I'm sure you can think of you know lifts and sticking points within those lifts. So maybe when you bench press, it's when you get, you know, you come down to your chest and after about two inches of coming up, that's where you tend to stick. Or a squat, typically it's at the bottom of a squat where you tend to stick. And uh, isometric movements are excellent for focusing on those sticking points. And so what you can do, for example, if let's say you do get stuck at the bottom of a squat, is you could get down in the bottom of a squat and tense up your entire body. If you want to take it to the next level, you can actually push against an immo- immovable object like a weight that's like a bar that's loaded so heavy you can't move it and you just drive against it doing an isometric contraction and what that does is it irradiates your body activates more muscle fibers and actually improves strength not just in the position that you're doing the contraction but in in actually a wider range of just that that position so mm-hmm. it's, i don't remember how many degrees it is passed it's 15 degrees in each on degree each side so you actually get a pretty wide range of uh, of strength application and you're not overtraining and burning yourself out, which is great. Like sometimes you're training yourself so hard and kind of you're on that line. And if you just add, you know, two more sets of regular squats, it's going to be too much. But you know you want to add a little bit more, do an isometric. You know, bodybuilders, by the way, have been doing this for years, for decades, for building muscle. Like the old timers, Mm -hmm. what they would do at the end of a set is they would pose. Posing, if you read Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding, or you read some of the old bodybuilding magazines – Posing was one of their favorite forms of exercise besides lifting weights. Oh,
3: You saw Bruce Lee do this after like every set of squats.
1: He would go out and then he would squeeze
3: and radiate his whole body. And uh, I mean, really just promoting more of that overall uh, access to, like I said, the force production of it so he could bring it back into the squat. Now he feels, you know, more stable and more capable. That's
1: it. That's it. Think about it this way, right? Your, Your central nervous system is what gives you the juice to generate your power. Of course, your muscles are the... There's a the mechanism that can, that, that uh, you know displays that power, but it doesn't matter how big and strong your muscles are if, that, if the, the juice that you're generating through your central nervous system is weak, just like speakers and an amplifier. It's an, an analogy I've used many times in the past. Well, your ability to generate juice from your central nervous system is something you can improve upon. You can actually get yourself to the point where you might only be tapping into 50% of your capacity. I, I Isometric-type training is is a safe, much safer way of getting – it's it's actually isometric training is one of the safest ways to increase the amount of CNS force production right. that you can that's, summon. Well, that's
2: the main the main way I feel like I use it or like you would even use it as an athlete. I, I'll bring up my favorite way to teach or what I think I've taught the most as far as an isometric movement. I love to take a, a client who's told me they, they only feel squats in their quads And I will do these floor bridges and have them at the top of the bridge, squeeze their ass as hard as it and hold it and hold that position. And I love it for, for teaching people on, I'll put them in an area of deep squat. I'll put them in that position and then I'll tell, I'll get their posture in the right position have them hold that. It really helps them to understand where they should be recruiting all this. Right? So when you talk about the CNS, you know, doing this floor bridge where I have a client squeeze their butt at the top of the floor bridge and hold that for like ten seconds and and fatigue it, then come down, then come up and squeeze, hold again. Okay, now I've got you understanding that the, the, the glutes are dominant for this this hip hinge movement. We're about to go do that now in a squat position. I want you to think about that. In that, it really helps them make that connection when when they're performing yeah, movements and like that. They
3: asked why they see it in performance too, and I think that uh, something like you know the dumpy squat, for instance, where it's like a stick you're pushing up overhead. Like as you're going through that that squat and you're getting down into depth, it's it's exposing where maybe you're losing the breaking the 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 bracing mechanism. And so that's that's something that's a part of the process of like I we're slowing it down so you're understanding uh, like what you should be feeling even when you're loaded. And these are teaching – these are valid uh, techniques for you to then apply towards all these other programs we have. But this was an opportunity to expose people to – other valid training techniques that are out there that will really help. A lot of
2: times it's like a key that was a missing component that,
3: Mm. you know, was not in their program prior.
2: you guys should. So Jackie will hopefully uh, shout out Jackie for always helping out with the show notes and being on top of this stuff. Uh, PJ performance uh, just two posts ago. So it'll probably be three or four posts ago was literally around uh, the importance of... In fact, he he thinks it's the most important and the first step in any performance type of program or sports training, and he did a really good write-up on that. I love this material that he always puts out. He's awesome. Yeah, just two posts ago, he literally touched on isometrics in sports training, so those that are curious to
1: that... It's the forgotten way of exercising that strength athletes used to use quite a bit a long time ago, and it got forgotten for some reason... But there's tremendous it's boring. It's not sexy. It's, yeah. there's tremendous. Yeah, right. Watch a video it's of someone tough to sell. Yeah, I'll watch watch you. a video of an isometric exercise. It's just someone standing still, right? You can't even tell what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Um. It is a very safe way of being able to generate more power from your CNS. It's also a a very low cost way. And what I mean by cost is cost on your ability to recover. It's a very low cost way of increasing volume uh, for your for, to build muscle. And again. Mm-hmm. Bodybuilders have known this for a long time. You talk to top bodybuilders, even today, but especially in the past, after they worked out their chest, they would sit there and just contract and squeeze the shit out of the chest for 15 seconds at a time. Now, I've done this for forever because it always gave me a good pump. Like you finish your workout at the end of your bicep workout and just squeeze and flex the shit out of your biceps and watch how they feel afterwards. It's amazing. And again, you don't get like crazy soreness from it. So, something you can add. Without worrying about having to, you know, dramatically increase the amount of recovery time.
0: Next question is from Brenda Farias, fifty-one. Do you feel social isolation is a growing health concern?
1: Definitely, hundred percent. Yeah, that's an there, interesting question. There is a depression, um, anxiety on the rise, and it's on the rise very quickly mm-hmm. um, in the younger generations in particular. And you know, social isolation—I think—is the wrong word because. We're definitely still very social in the sense that, you know, we're on social media and we're talking to lots Physical of people. Physical isolation. It's different. Yeah. It's a different kind of, so you know, socializing. It's not the same kind of contact. It's not the same mindful, present type of uh, socializing. You know, when you're with just one person and there's no electronics involved, it's just you and that person. When you're on your phone or on your computer, you're talking to one person, you're talking to another person, you're talking to another person. You're very distracted. It's not as deep. Um, and and here's the thing we you know we, we talk about you know health problems in modern societies, the biggest one that we're still tackling now is the you know the change of uh, of modern societies where we've become very sedentary, and we've had access to hyperpalatable foods, and that's caused the obesity epidemic and a lot of our health problems uh, that we see in these in, in these modern societies. The next big big one is this kind of you know digital uh, you know technology wellness. Yeah. It's going to be looking at How we can create practices around technology.
2: Now, I agree with that. I agree with that on the direction you're taking this question. But when I think of like this, what I wonder sometimes when we're answering the way we are, and I'm not completely disagreeing with you, I just think that sometimes we sound like the old guys who just are not accepting the new way things are done. And, you know, I I wonder if. Old guys have a lot of wisdom. I. It, think well, about all the shit
1: think about all the shit that old guys told you when you were a kid and no, you wish you, you could have listened. To hear it. Right yeah.
2: so but I'm, what I'm wondering though is is this just going to be the way that we all communicate in the future? You know it it, it seems ridiculous. But will we communicate in the same room like we are sitting right now and instead of actually looking at each other and talking to each other, it's actually faster and easier through this digital product that we have because I can...
1: Uh, Hey, maybe and probably. Look, again, if you go back 80 years and you show someone, you you know, you had food from the future and you're like, here's a frozen pizza and a whatever pizza pocket. And you're like, hey, most people are going to be eating like this in the future. They're like, no way, no one's... And they did, but we have side effects. We have consequences as a result. I don't I'm not debating at all that it's moving in that direction. This is a ship that's not gonna turn. Right. All I'm saying is this is the new world. And just like today, look, here's the deal. If you want to be active today. No, I can get behind that, bro. Yeah. I can get behind that all day that
2: this is the direction it's for sure going. And I don't think we're going to stop well, it. And I think we're going to have to put in practices. You have to. I think it's the analogy, like why we have gyms, like why we
3: have practices right. based around like physical activity, because we've figured out how valuable that is. Like we've tried to eliminate hard laborious jobs and we've done a really fucking awesome job at that. Right. So to well, that, what's the side effect of that? But the Less side activity. effect is that we're getting unhealthy and obese. Right. Yep. So uh, Along those lines of like having like person to person interactions and, and real communication where you're connecting to that person, that's a valuable
1: fucking thing, dude. You, you, you in the past, not that long ago, uh, you 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 couldn't be isolated. You had to at least get out of your well, house I, to go to the store. I, I feel
2: like there's already practices that are being put in place, and I'm not going to put anybody on Front Street right now. But we've got lots of nerdy podcast friends, right? <laughs> and almost every one of them we know, especially the very successful ones, have invested in groups that they fucking hang out with. They pay tens of thousands of dollars a year to be a part of a group where they have organized fucking sleepovers and they have organized <laughs> fucking weekend trips and they have games that they had. It's funny, but... Yeah, you For, right, for someone like me who's always been social... I I look at them and I, I kind of snicker, but I get it though. I get that you're talking about the people that I'm thinking about right now were buried in books, were buried in tech already at a very early age. I mean, I was the kid who didn't get a computer until I was in college. Yeah, I didn't have computer growing up. So that like I didn't I didn't have these resources. I didn't have these tools. I didn't have these addictive things.
1: Dude, it's no different mm. than it'd be, it's no different than me telling my great grandfather, I every day I spend an hour uh, working out, lifting heavy things and putting them down. He would laugh his ass off and be like, you do what? He goes, I just go to work. Yeah, That's yeah. how I'm active. It's the same thing. Here's a great example. I'll tell you what. When I was a kid, my parents never had to schedule play dates. You fucking played with your friends. Today I, know. I
3: think that's why it makes my skin crawl.
1: Today you schedule play dates. Yeah. That is a practice that has already yeah. happened. It's already been created by parents because if you don't create a play date, your kids don't play. So that's a,
2: that's it going back to my point again that yeah. sometimes we sound like the old men that are, you know, oh the sky is falling, right? You know, it's I think that it is becoming a growing concern. I also think there's already things in place that we're doing to counteract that because when i, I the, the era that i originally grew up in if, it, if you needed to pay ten thousand dollars a year to hang out with a group of friends just to get you to fucking be social and network with each other i think that's ridiculous but that's also so coming from somebody who didn't i i didn't lose that skill i had that skill i had to develop that skill as a kid mm. so i get it and i get why play dates have to happen now so is it really that much of a concern or are we pretty smart freaking monkeys and we'll probably start to do things Mm -hmm. to
1: counter that and it's already happening it might take a few generations just like it took a a few generations to learn about smoking and it's taking us more generations to learn about activity and food i think that the trends happen fat look let me put it this way okay nobody had a fucking cell phone in their hand 25 years ago very few people did right today Everybody has cell phones everywhere. We're talking about 20 years. They're all over the place, and people are super, super connected. That is a very, very fast trajectory. The practices that follow happen as a consequence, and those practices are always a step or two behind. Mm -hmm. And the practices don't happen until people see widespread problems. So I'm not saying the world, you know, the sky is falling, but what I am saying is us being in health and wellness, us being in fitness, we see this the writing on the wall and we're the first ones to really talk about this as a wellness practice but you mark my words 10 15 20 years from now it's going to be like going to the gym people are going to are going to have to create practices around yeah. oh, technology I, I mean i i
2: agree yeah. with that i mean i'm the one who's been saying on this podcast forever that i think it's going to be there's going to be a, a clear line between people that are plugged in and unplugged there are going to be people that are going to just that are not going to listen to you and be like fuck you and your whole you think you need to be wellness. I'm plugging all the way in because it's so cool and all the cool things that I can do that you can't do. And then there'll be people that are probably wiser and older and realize that hey, it's there is some great things to these tools, but with these tools also come these consequences that you're talking about. So I think we're going to have a clear division of plugged and pl- unplugged.
1: It, it'll be interesting to see. I, I I just think like with parents right now, for example, I think you're you're seeing with parents. Some of them are pl- pl- putting practices in place with their kids, um, but some parents aren't. Mm-hmm. I think in ten to fifteen years, most parents will put practices. I just think the parents that don't just don't know. They don't know that. Like I have a lot. I have friends whose kids have unlimited access to iPads and their phones. There's and a lot like that, dude. And and the, and the kids literally do that shit all day, all oh. day. Yeah. And and they just don't know that there's potential, you know, negatives that can have- This is a really silly example, but like I told this I think a long time ago on the
3: podcast where like it's just funny cuz like I still give my dad shit about this today cuz like I vividly remember like having a cab over his the back of his truck and I was obviously no seat belts, I'm in the back of his truck going on these long trips but right next to the gasoline tank. And it was like all I was getting was gasoline fumes all the way to like, you know, where we're going camping. And it's like, you didn't you didn't know how bad that was for you, you know, till just now. So i don't know, man. That explains it's like, a lot. Yeah. That's why I forget everything now though, you know?
2: Thanks, Dad. Yeah, no, I think there I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see the kids, especially the kids that were born in the last three to five years, to see them over the next ten to fifteen years because I do feel like we're starting to hear some things. Like, I mean, just three years ago or five years ago, nobody was saying anything about evil Google or Facebook or anyone using these tactics to get you looped in. We were so busy celebrating how amazing it mm-hmm, all was. Totally. So you're just now starting to see the books come out and conversations around it's it. It's like so.
1: any tool. It's like any tool. If I took a uh, if I took a hammer and placed it on the table, it wouldn't be good or bad. It's all in how you use it, and the technology, the internet. Is quite possibly the most powerful tool that mankind has ever created. Mm. And so the consequences of that are gonna be, can potentially be massive and monumental. And the upsides can also be massive and monumental. It's all gonna be in how we use it. Agreed.
0: Next question is from Adam Pullman Fit. What one of your failures has taught you the greatest lesson in life? Oh man. The greatest lesson?
1: The, which one of your fa- failures has taught you the greatest lesson?
0: I'll give you probably the deepest
2: one for me that I haven't shared on this podcast before. Somebody asked me, I think in an interview or one of my, my Q&As, a similar question. And my response was uh, the short sell of my house. I I, I think that I would put that up there with uh, what I think was one of my greatest failures and then what ended up being probably one of my greatest lessons in life. And for me, uh, the the lesson was this, was you know, those that know my story, because if you've listened to the podcast for a long time, know that uh, I I didn't come from very much. I had a a rougher childhood than than some. And because of that, I was extremely adamant to not be like my parents, to be financially responsible, to be very successful. And uh, I was very driven uh, by money and my credit score and all these things. I mean, I... As a kid, when I first started getting credit cards, I never missed a payment. I've never been late on anything. And uh, by the time I was 21 years old, I had bought my house. And by the time I was about 24, 25, I think I had a 850 FICO score and I had 15 different credit cards that I had crazy limits to it. And I was responsible with all of it. So I just prided myself on, on being this person because that's what I had worked towards for so long. And this also speaks to when I talk about your greatest strength being your greatest weakness sometimes. And for me, like my great this was my greatest strength was I had this this burning desire to not be like this. Well, that also caused me to identify with that person that you know, I, I was this person of success and and I had these things and I had a home and I had great credit and and because I was so driven to be that person and I reached to be I became that person, uh, I also identified so strongly with it. And so I went through a time uh, about seven or eight years, I think eight years I had, had the home when that was when the market really took a shit. And I was fine. I could still pay my mortgage, but my, my best friend at the time was heavy into the loans. And he told me, he goes, listen, this is going to get worse before it gets better. Um, you have an opportunity right now to walk away from this thing. It's going to be a slap on the wrist. Uh, your credit's going to take a ding. Uh, but you're going to be you're going to be fine from The amount of money you'll save by not paying your mortgage and by getting out of this house, uh, you'll make it back three times, five, ten years down the road. And I really wrestled with that for like six months. And while I was wrestling with it, I was just watching the equity in the home go down and go down and go down and go down. And finally, I just I, I bit the bullet and said, "Fuck it, okay, I'm going to I'm going to walk away from this house." And so I, I began doing that and I, I did. I walked away from my short sold it, is what I ended up doing. And it took a fucking ding on my credit and it put me in a place uh, that I'd never been before. I, I And I would never had a hard time getting a loan for anything or getting a credit card. And I didn't realize how frustrating that was going to be. At the same time, I was transitioning into the cannabis industry, which I've shared with you guys off air before is, Was the one of the challenging things was that was a heavy cash business, and so on paper I didn't look very successful. I couldn't do a lot of things, and for about I don't know four or five years there, I was really handcuffed um, financially, and it really I went through my first bout before the testosterone thing of what I would consider like this kind of depression feeling um because now i i felt like this kind of loser i was like man i didn't my my credit this and that and it took me a while to to look deep inside and kind of ask myself like you know what do i care what others think of me and my credit score and my success and that doesn't dictate who i am and in fact you know Several years later, not even that many years later, I was uh, having some of the most success I've ever had in my life financially, but because I didn't have the credit, I didn't have the home to show for it, I didn't have the cars that I could go out and get, I didn't have these things that, that would represent that, and it really made me reflect inside and and truly dig into who I was and what was important to me and made me realize how much of that was driven from when I was a kid and how how I'm not I'm not my credit score. I'm not my my income every single year. And the irony behind all of this was that when I broke free from that, you know, even more success came into my life later on when I no longer identified with it and cared about it. But probably one of the the hardest failures or challenges that I went through in my life uh, was was doing that because I identified with that person so mm, much.
1: That's tough. Yeah, for me, it's easy. It's getting divorced. That's a by far the most challenging thing um, I've ever gone through my entire life. I was married for 15 years with two children, and you know I, I'm from a, a very conservative family. There, there's only one divorce in my entire massive family, and only one, and it's kind of like a you know nobody really talks about it too much. I so here I am. I'm you know 15 years into a marriage, which is a long time, two children, and it's just. It isn't going to work. I Actually, went through the divorce uh, while we while we were podcasting. This was early in the early days of Mind Pump, and um, it was very difficult. It was tough. And one thing that happened after coming out of that, you know, when you're going through through something like that, it's really alluring. It was really really alluring to place 100 percent of the blame on the other person. Like that's that's exactly what you want to do. You want to look at the other person and be like, it's all your fault that this didn't work. It's all your fault that you know that. That we we you know that this situation had to dissolve, and it's all your fault that now the kids are you know from a broken family and all that stuff. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I tried to reflect on myself. Um, it took me about maybe six months or so to do that, to really step take a step back and be like, what was my role in all of that? And I realized, and this is the part that was tough, is I realized I played a large role in it. Like all, I think like most uh, situations involving two people. There's usually involvement from both sides. It's never usually just one person. Um, And so I had to recognize all my involvement. And I wasn't uh, a very present partner. I was extremely, um, you know, I was extremely, uh, what's the word, Uh, distracted with work. Um, I wasn't super present with my children. I was definitely loving, but I wasn't super present there. I just wasn't a great husband or a great, a super great father. Um, And that was a tough really tough pill to swallow, um, and, but it did make me a better father now. Um, I'm much more involved with my kids now, and I'm much better in the relationship that I am now, um, and so I think it turned me into uh, a much better, more balanced, more intelligent, calm person uh, than I was before, and that, that's, the, that's the thing that I, and coming out of that, the, the thing that I learned from that was the most difficult times in your life, if you can make it through them, is when you're going to come out with the most growth every single time because there's no way I would have made that growth had it not been for that challenging period. There's no way in hell I would have examined things as deeply and intently as I did. Um, There's no way. I I needed severe pain to go to those places. You know, One of my motivations was I was absolutely dedicated to making sure that my children did not – that they suffered as little as possible. I was very afraid. It's one of the reasons why I stayed married as long as I did Um, even my ex, my, even my ex-wife, same, both of us were married as long as we did because we didn't want our kids to go through that whole process. And then to have two different homes and all that stuff. And she comes from a conservative home as well. And so, uh, you you know, going through that whole, that whole process, I thought, okay, I want to make this as, as good of a a situation as possible for for my kids. In order to do that, I had to just examine myself. And look at all the things that I did wrong and all that stuff and, and change those things. And I would have never changed those things. That's the crazy part. The crazy part is if you're going through a, tif- a, a very, very difficult failure, as shitty as this sounds, especially if you're going through one right now and you're listening to the podcast and you hear me saying this and you want to say fuck you. It'll be the best lesson. I promise mm-hmm. you, if you, if you can survive, that's the key now. so You, so you don't survive it, you're not going to learn shit. And I don't mean it literally, although sometimes. But what I mean by that is sometimes people come out of a failure and they let it defeat them to the point where they're they're never the same. They're like, I, I'm just afraid, you know. I, I'm never gonna be the same person. I'm never gonna take those risks again. I'm never gonna whatever again. But if you can survive and come out of it, um, you will be better, far better. The more difficult the, the the challenge, the greater the reward afterwards. And it can take years, and it's gonna suck. But man, at the end of it, it's it's like a hard workout, like the fucking hard, crazy workouts. Many times the ones that give you the most Not only that, but
2: that lesson too, like, man, the, the things that it could potentially trickle into, like I was just telling Katrina, we were talking about this lesson and I was saying, man, it's so crazy that how important that was that that happened in my life, because there's no doubt in my mind, if I had Maximus when I was 25 in the thick of all that, I would have now transferred my insecurities onto him. I would have raised him and I would have used, I would have spoiled the shit out of him, bought him all kinds of things because I was still trying to feed my insecurity of being this person and it would have transferred right into a child. Mm-hmm. And, and then that, who knows what that would have happened to. And I seen that. I watched that with uh, like my uncle. I seen my uncle because my uncle had a really rough upbringing and he was successful very young like I was. And only difference was he had his kids really, really young. And his kids were spoiled rotten, Well his kids were spoiled rotten because he didn't have anything, and he worked so hard to be successful. And then he now trickled that right down into his kids. And then now here I see them as adults now, and I see the struggle that it's caused. And I think, man, I would have done the same Dude, thing had I not got that lesson. The
1: funny thing is is if you want to grow, if you want your kids to grow, but it's also for yourself, if you want to grow, you have to take the risk of uh, terrible failure and defeat. Like if you want your kids to learn, how to be kind of tough. You got to let them take the risk of hurting themselves. It, it, it's shitty as a parent, but it's true. It's tough
3: to watch. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. You do, you just don't want to go through that, but you have to. You have to do it for their own character and, and building that, and that's part of the process of being a parent and not being a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't always be their best friend. That's just like it's a hard fact, you know. Like you got to teach them life and like how to overcome these sort, sort, sort of situations and, uh, you know, for me, like you had mentioned, um, you know, just kind of going through the process of like, you know, bringing a newborn in and, um, you know, that like having everything stable and, and stability and everything's on track. And, you know, for me, it was really the opposite of that. It was a very chaotic, uh, you know, process like it was within our first marriage, like went through the whole process, trying to do everything I could to to do things right and with integrity you know, in terms of like, you know, asking for the hand in marriage, like going through all this ceremonial ritual stuff that I had really had no interest in, but it was like, you know, let's go ahead and do this and, you know, merge our families and let's go through this process and, um, you know, just, just get to the point where we're in our first year of marriage. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the year we find out, you know, we're pregnant and, and I was like, Oh wow. And it was completely a surprise. And not, and it's great that it happened while it did, right? And 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 we were like very happy and everything else. And um, but then it was like all of a sudden this this switch is like, oh wow, we need like our own place. Like I, my lease was up, I had all this like time now. Well, do I sign a lease? Do I get a place? Like what am I gonna do? Like I don't have like. I didn't start like saving this whole nest egg up to like buy a place and like put a substantial down payment down. And so I'm like sweating, dude. I'm like, what am I going to do? And so we decided, well, we're going to, we're going to just, you know, save money. But how do you save money? You got to, you got to stay at either your parents or her parents. And like, I know my dad is old school and like, he's, he's not going to let me back in the house. (laughs) There's, that is not even an option on the table, you know? And like, I, fully respect that about him. But for at the same time, like I, I like I was sweating cause I'd much rather would have done that because I am familiar obviously with like my parents and like that situation. And I, I would know how to navigate more, but for me to like, like it was a massive ego hit and check for me to then be like, okay, I, I, I agree that we probably need like, a, you know, a few months to live at your parents so we could like really have a decent like down payment and so i just was like going through that process of like uh just being completely humbled again like i had everything on track i was like making great money i didn't know that you lived at courtney's for a while i did i did not know that yeah i lived there for about 4 months you kept that shit on the radar i did i didn't I was not proud <laughs> of it i was not proud of it no and, and that's the thing is why should i give a shit like they were helping me like right. they did they were awesome for helping me but i always was you know you know that, of course that's part of my ego is like i'd I can handle it. I can handle, I can do this. This is me. Like I can, you know, make, make it work. So I actually, towards the end, like we were trying to close on a house and it, like I was trying to do this quickly. Like, I'm gonna get the fuck out of here, you know? And, uh, it wasn't working out. Like we had a few offers that didn't work out. And like, uh, you know, the house that we were left with, we're just like, no, like that's a horrible house. And so we ended up like waiting. Then one finally presented itself and we're like, oh, it's a good deal. You know? And so we, uh, you know, put an offer in and we got it. And um, it was like the third month while I was living at like her parents. And then I, st- I just was like, okay, I am like immersing myself started like after work, I would just go straight there and start remodeling by myself. And then I'd sleep there at night and I did that for like probably a month and a half and like was missing, you know, time with, with Courtney and helping in the kid. And, um, yeah, it was insanely stressful and it put a strain on our relationship and it was like really crazy. And, but again, like we, but we reconnected later and we're just like, you know, like that was insane. Like we, and the house wasn't done. We moved in when it wasn't done and we lived in construction and, you know, and we went through that and then, uh, we spent all our money and so we had no money now. And so now <laughs> we're just like, like paycheck to paycheck, just trying to make it ends meet for like the next year. And it, it was crazy man but we got through it you know and it's like it's not i I don't know if that's a great example of a failure more so that it's just life and like how you just deal with like overcoming adversity
1: Mm. you got to learn to to love your failures that's 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 what i've always learned No, look back and, and love them and and look at them in that way and then you'll learn more from them no
2: the big the bigger they are the 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 truth is the the bigger the the lesson in them will be, and the bigger the reward when you make it through it. It's just tough to see it when you're in it. When, oh, you're, when you're in it, you think it's the it's the worst. It's the end of the world. Nobody's experienced what you've experienced, and I get that. You know, I t- I totally get that. But the thing that always got me through, and I think I just. This is the blessing that I feel that I've had because I I went through so much shit as a young kid. I think when you've been through enough, you just realize like fuck, I've been in this rodeo before. It's just a you know it's a different it's just a different show today. It's like once I make it through this nasty time, I know on the other side of this is is really good time. So you just gotta stay focused on that.
1: Awesome. Look, go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides for free. There's a bunch of fitness guides on there. They cost nothing. Again, it's mindpumpfree.com. You can also find us all on social media. We're all on Instagram, and we have our own individual pages. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin, and you can find Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy,
0: and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com.